tied to the chair yeah. so say something before you, you are Thank you very much. Please take your time. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Evelyn uh, is my wife, and uh, we have traveled all over the world together, and uh, we'll soon be celebrating 50 years of marriage. Isn't that amazing? And uh, God miraculously brought us together, Evelyn being a nurse and me a businessman in our early lives, and God has just amazed us how he's blessed us and used us to be able to bless millions of more people. So Evelyn, say a word of greeting. I just want to say what a joy and a privilege it is to be here with you. We've had a wonderful time so far. The presence of the Lord has been mighty in this place, and we just give all the glory and the praise to him. We've so much to praise the Lord for, haven't we? He's done so much for each and every one of us. He is a faithful God, and Cecil and I have proved him down through the years, he has kept us safe. He's brought us through many trials and tribulations. But here we stand tonight just giving him all the glory, all the praise. There's no God like Jehovah. Amen. Praise his wonderful name. And I just want to take this opportunity again to say a special thank you to uh, our dear friends who have invited us here. Um, and for their love and hospitality that they've shown towards us. We've been overwhelmed. Thank you so much for your goodness and your kindness to us. God bless you. Thank you very much. Father, we thank you for your presence tonight. Thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is working in us and through us. And we just pray that every life will be touched and every heart will be transformed that needs will be met tonight as we lift up the name of Jesus. We believe for miracles in this gathering. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. I, I do want to also say, Apostle Williams and Reverend Williams, thank you very much for the privilege of allowing us to be here in this magnificent cathedral. We are highly honored and we do count it a great and great mighty privilege to be with you folks and we do love you with the love of the Lord we do feel right at home with you and I do want to say a special thank you to God's distinguished ambassadors who came and picked us up at Heathrow Airport and have driven us around in such a magnificent way and uh, I really appreciate the culture of honor that you have among you and we do appreciate how you honor each other and how you've honored us, and how we honor the Lord together. That is so exciting. Praise the Lord. How many would like a little funny joke? An Irish joke? <laughs> uh, this, this young farmer in Ireland, he, he was a very hard-working young man in Ireland, and he was so busy he never could get to go to any of the social events, to meet anybody. And now he was getting into his late 30s and he was thinking, I need to consider marriage. And he never had time to go and meet anybody or had a developed relationship with a young lady. So he decided to put an advert in the paper in Northern Ireland. And it was worded like this. Young farmer seeks wife. Preferably with tractor. Please send photograph of tractor. <laughs> uh, he had a big vision. <laughs> uh, so it's good we can have a little bit of a laugh and enjoy the presence of the Lord because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Okay, tonight I'm going to speak to you for a little moment, a moment or two, well, an hour or two, as the Lord leads about settling uncertainties. But just before I do, don't forget, you still have an opportunity to get a copy of my book. It's called, What Do You Mean It's Impossible? There are also hope builders, and these are very anointed hope builders. You can get them also at the resources table. Uh, one of them is called Followers Who Finish. Uh, another one is called Sights, Sounds, and Seasons. 
and uh, there's another one called It's Not Over. These will bring hope and inspiration to you, your family, and your friends, and I would encourage you to get a copy of these little hope builders tonight. Okay, settling uncertainties. We know that we live in a world that's very uncertain. Even now in the UK, there's a lot of uncertainty regarding whether we stay in the EU or whether we come out of the EU. At the moment, there's uncertainty uncertainty in the Republic of Ireland over the election, which has recently been completed, and there was no one party given enough votes to form a government. And so there's uncertainty in the Irish Republic at the moment as to who will form the next government. All kinds of uncertainties exist. There was a lady, actually, her, she had a write-up in the paper. There was a report about her. And she was very keen to know what her future held. So she went around different fortune tellers seeking to know what the future held. And she spent a total of £30,000 trying to find out what her future held. But aren't you glad that God has our future in his hands? Amen. The greatest thing about our future is that God has planned it. God has planned your future. We're in his hands. So many people say, you know, you can never be certain what the future holds, but we can actually be sure about the most important questions in life. We can be sure about the most important questions in life. And so I want us to read a short portion from Psalms chapter 40, verses 1 through 4. David was in a great state of uncertainty. He was really down in a horrible pit. And he said, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he turned to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay. He has put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, and who does not look to the proud or to those who turn aside to false gods. David was in a state of uncertainty. And uncertainty often comes at a time when we are making the most important decisions in our lives, the biggest decisions in our lives. We found this, Evelyn and I, when we were just about to plan our marriage, and we were excited about our future. But in the midst of these great decisions of our lives, there came great uncertainty because I was stricken down with tuberculosis and I was stricken with severe depression. It really was an attack from Satan because you will find that many of God's servants throughout the Bible, as soon as they were anointed to be servants of the Lord, as soon as they were anointed to serve the Lord, there was an attack from the enemy that brought uncertainty over their lives and over their future. And so we shouldn't be too discouraged when there is an attack of the enemy against our health, against our mind, against our family, because it's a sign that we're anointed for God. And God's anointing brings attention of the enemy who is afraid of us. The devil is not just attacking you because of who you are today. He's attacking you because of who you're going to become. And he sees the great vision and the great impact you're going to have on this country. The enemy sees that you're going to bring great destruction to his kingdom and you're going to win lots of lost people. And so he wants to bring uncertainty to you and put you in a position where you don't know what to do. But he found the key. I waited patiently for the Lord. When you don't know what to do, wait on the Lord. Spend time with him. Take time out to listen to the Holy Spirit. We can be certain about our future. 
The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26, he said, I do not fight as one who is uncertain. I do not run my race as one who is uncertain about how I will win. He says, I do not run as a man aimlessly, but I fight as one who has certainty. The next verse, he says, I keep my body under and bring it into subjection. That's why I've spoken to others, I be disqualified from the race or from the prize. So the Apostle Paul knew how important it was to settle uncertainties. He said, I do not run the race of life or set out to fulfill my call and ministry with uncertainty. I know my calling, I know my purpose, I know my future, and therefore I keep my body in subjection lest what I have spoken to others or ministered to others, I become a castaway or one who can no longer be used of God. And that is a tragedy. So many times we ourselves are our biggest enemy. Our own flesh, our own minds, by letting the flesh have the upper hand or to make decisions. And so we need to continually submit ourselves to the Lord and humble ourselves before the Lord and make sure we're living out of our spirit and not out of our flesh. Because God has big plans for his servants. God has big plans for your life and big plans for this wonderful ministry. And so also, Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.12, he said, I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I commit to him. So he said, I'm not wondering about who I believe in. I'm not hoping I can believe in the right God. He says, I know him. I've committed my life to Jesus. I know him. I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. So we need to settle uncertainties. So many people are uncertain about the future. What the next war will bring. In Northern Ireland we've suffered terrorism for over 30 years. People are uncertain as to whether they'll be alive in a week's time or month's time. Even today there was a bomb attack. But we can settle uncertainties by putting our lives in the hands of the Lord God Almighty and confessing that we are under his protection, that we are committed to him, and he is able to keep us. He will keep us in every circumstance of life. Evelyn and I have driven through Belfast during the Troubles many times, and on one occasion we just passed a bomb a few seconds before it exploded. Many times we've missed death by a very short space of time. But he keeps that which we commit to him. We can't keep ourselves, but he is able to keep us from falling, the book of Jude says. He's able to keep us in a sound mind. He's able to keep us in a healthy body. He's able to keep our family together. He's able to give us victory over the devil, who is a defeated foe already, and we need to recognize that he's defeated and exercise our authority over that defeated foe, Satan himself, because we're more than conquerors. Somebody say amen. amen. And then it says in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 10, Make your calling and election sure. Know what you're called to do. Know what your particular ministry is. And we don't have to try to be somebody else. We can be ourselves and flow with what God has made us to be. You see, an aircraft is great in the sky. Airplanes were made to fly. But an aircraft on the road would be a disaster. So we need to function in the realm we're created to function. We need to serve in the realm we're gifted to function. I'm mainly as an evangelist, Bible teacher, and businessman. That's where I see the most success. Functioning in the calling that God has put us. And so we need to recognize what our calling and election is and make it absolutely sure and keep doing what God has called us to do. We are going to settle on certain days and we're going to have peace in our hearts and minds. 
when I was stricken with tuberculosis, it also came with severe depression. I found out later it was partly as a result of somebody who tried to put a curse on me, somebody who tried to kill me, a person who connected with demonic powers that tried to put a curse on me. But aren't you glad that whenever you're blessed, no curse can stand? We redeem from the curse. We are blessed. Hallelujah. We can say, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love and power and of a sound mind. Second Timothy 1.7. God didn't give us fear. God didn't give us uncertainty. He gave us peace and he gave us power and a sound mind to rule and to reign in life. I love that verse of scripture in Romans 5.17. It says, those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by Christ Jesus. We receive the abundance of grace, God's unmerited favor, and the gift of righteousness, not by our works, but by what Jesus did at the cross. He says, we reign in life. We were never meant to be reigned over by the devil. We were never meant to be reigned over by our circumstances. We, as God's people, made in his image, redeemed by the blood of Jesus, we were meant to rule and reign in life, in our family, in our business, in our churches, in government. We have been given power to rule and reign and settle the uncertainties and say, Britain will be great again under the leadership of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Britain will come back to God. And you people here are going to make a significant impact to change the face of Britain for God and turn this nation back to God and stand for truth and settle the uncertainty as to what God says as a matter of marriage, what God says in terms of the laws that are being passed, and say we've got to return to Bible values and settle uncertainties regarding our future. Joshua made a, set, a clear statement in Joshua 24:15. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we've been given the power to make it an irreversible decision. Even from our youngest years when we come to know Jesus, we can make an irreversible decision that we will serve the Lord. There are, there are certain things we will never violate. There are certain principles in God's word that we'll never violate. Like honor, integrity, respect for God and his word, respect for each other, we will not violate what God has put in our hearts to do. We have the power to make a decision what attitude we'll have. We can have a negative attitude like most of the world and be up and down, depending on the weather, depending on the circumstances, or we can decide to have an attitude of faith and glory and praise and worship to maintain an attitude of victory and expecting good things to happen every single day. You know, when I was so depressed with the tuberculosis in my early 20s, I had to make a decision like David. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord and he brought me up. I'm glad the Lord was always bringing us up. The devil will never, or the Lord will never put you down. That's what the devil tries to do. But he is our glory and the lifter of our head. Jesus is a lifter of our heads. And so, as I began to meditate on the word and wait on the Lord, I found that I still had the depression. I still had the pain in my lung. I still suffered all of this. But during the time when I began to quote the word and walk the floor and begin to thank God again, God sent a man from England to Northern Ireland and he came to pray for me and he told me a prophetic word. He said, you're not going to die. This tuberculosis and this depression is not going to kill you. I felt I was going to die. But he said, you're going to be raised up and you're going to travel and minister the gospel to many nations. And his word came to pass. 
the word of the Lord. So God has his servants who settle uncertainties and say, no, the devil's not got the last word. Our God has the last word. His word prevails over all. The enemy may give you a bad report. The enemy may try to tell you it's over. But it's not over till God says it's over. And we're still anointed. And we're still blessed. Hallelujah. And we're still called. And just like David, I can say, he brought me up out of a horrible pit and out of the Mary clay. He put a new song in my heart, even praise to the Lord. Many shall see it in fear and trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and does not turn aside to those who are proud, but keeps walking in the faith of God. Say amen. amen. God is with us. So here's some of the key things you can be certain about in this world of uncertainty. You can be certain that you belong to Jesus. <laughs> you can be certain you've, you've received eternal life. Because the scripture says, to all who receive him, to them give you power to become the sons of God. That's John chapter 1 verse 12. To everybody who receives him, to them give you power to become the sons of God, even those who believe in his name. So we know we're eternally forgiven. And that's the biggest thing. If never, if nothing else ever happened to us, that's enough to praise the Lord every single day of our lives. But we've been forgiven every sin. We have been given the gift of eternal life. We have been given assurance for heaven. We know that we are saved forever. That doubts are settled. We can know it's God's will for our families to be saved. Acts chapter 16. You shall be saved on your house. And Second Peter chapter 3 verse 9 says it's not God's will that any should perish but that all should come to repentance and live. It's not his will. We can settle uncertainties and know that God wants all our family saved, all our relatives saved. God wants us healed. Those are big things, according to the scripture, 1 Peter 2.24, by whose stripes you were healed. We know it's God's will for us to be healthy and whole, and not living under a pressure of anxiety and fear subject to the works of the devil. We are the overcomers. Amen. Whatever's born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. So we keep your faith alive. Keep your faith alive. When my mother was a lot younger, Years ago, she's now with the Lord, of course. She was given a very bad diagnosis. She had serious ulcers, which were not curable at that time. And this is when we first heard, this is when we first heard of divine healing, because she was so critically ill. And she inquired about divine healing, and the people who should have known better told her, the age of miracles is over. They said, the age of miracles is over. You cannot receive healing. Healing is not available. Miracles just don't happen today. And she was suffering excruciating pain. She really had a very uncertain future because she was so very ill. But then she began to read the scripture in Mark chapter 16. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And as she began to study the scripture, she discovered there was no such thing as an age of miracles, but there is a God of miracles who fills every age. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. And so her faith arose, and she was brought to a small meeting where a small group of people laid hands upon her. She was so weak and couldn't, couldn't eat proper food. And she never felt a thing, but she went home and took it for granted she was healed. Her trust was in the word. And she put on the pan and had a big fry. And she never had the slightest problem with ulcers for the rest of her life. 30, 40 years. Totally healed. The age of miracles is still on. <laughs> There's a God of miracles who fills every age. 
So we've seen him working in our family against all the odds that people told us. We settled the uncertainty about healing. We settled the uncertainty about household salvation. We settled the uncertainty about having authority over the devil. We settled uncertainty about our influence over the community because God has anointed us to rule and to reign in life. One of the greatest examples of settling uncertainty is found in 1 Samuel chapter 17. It is a very familiar story, the story of David and Goliath. And it tells us, and I can't read it all, but it shows how that the Philistines came against Israel and the champion Goliath, he defied the armies and challenged Israel for 40 days and 40 nights. The Philistines stood on one mountain, the Israel army on the other, big valley between, and he insulted the people of God and he defied the armies of Israel for 40 days and 40 nights, morning and evening. He threatened them and challenged them, give me a man to fight. If you kill me, then you will have victory and we will be your servants. But if we kill you, you will be our servants. And he said, I defy the armies of Israel to give me a man to fight. Israel was held in uncertainty, 40 days and 40 nights, morning and evening. They were terrified as this great Philistine who, some people say he was close to nine foot tall. He was armed with a coat of mail. He had a most amazing armor. He was a man of war from his youth. And he was terrifying and intimidating Israel. And they were in a state of uncertainty all these days, all these nights. And you know, I want to tell you something about the enemy, Satan. He will come to you in the morning and threaten you with negative thoughts about your day ahead. He will try to come to you at night. Apostle William said something very powerful last night. He said, the battle's the mind. The battle's in the mind. And Satan will try to come to your mind in the morning and put negative thoughts in your mind that you're useless, you'll never make it, things will never improve, your challenges won't be overcome. And even at night time, when you're trying to get to sleep, the enemy will come again and challenge you with negative thoughts of fear, sickness. I know when I was sick and depressed as a young person, I couldn't think of anything, only my problems. The enemy was really trying to take over my mind. And he was trying to possess the valley I was in. But we don't have to let the enemy possess our valleys. Even if you're in a valley, Jesus is still Lord in the valley. I said he's still Lord in the valley. You can have victory in your valleys. For he's the God of the valley and the mountaintop. You know, the Bible talks about that in another portion. First Kings chapter 20, verse 28. It says the Syrians made war against the people of God. And the army of God at that time won over them on the, on the mountaintop in the hills. But then the enemy army said... Their God is only the God of the hills, but we'll fight them again in the valley and we'll win. Syria did this. Syria told Israel. But God said, because they've said, I'm only the God of the hills and of the mountaintop and not the God of the valley, I'm going to give you power to fight them in the valley and you will win. And so the story tells us there that they fought again in the valley and God delivered them. The great multitude was delivered into the hands of the Lord. And they had victory in the valley. <laughs> so just because you're in a valley doesn't mean you can't have victory. He's the God of the valley. He's the God of the mountaintop. He's the God of the good days, the bad days, of all seasons. And if we walk in faith and honor him and keep our hearts right, we are going to settle uncertainties and know that we can prevail over every enemy. In the name of Jesus, somebody say amen. We have victory. And so we know the story of Goliath and all of the armies of Israel couldn't find a solution. Forty days, forty nights, threatened, intimidated, 
humiliated, brought to a place of uncertainty that they couldn't change. And then there was a little lad called David. He had been minding the sheep in the wilderness, but his father sent him out with some food for his older brothers who were in the army and fighting in this war. Although they were at a standstill, they were uncertain. And David arrived on the scene just as the Philistine came one more time and little David heard the cry of this Philistine one more time. I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man to fight. Forty days and forty nights, the same threat, the same intimidation. And little David said, Who's this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who does he think he is? He has no covenant. We are people of covenant. God is not with them. God's with us. We're in the family. We have God on our side. Why are we letting this enemy intimidate us? And David said, I will go and fight this Philistine. Of course, King Saul, he said, no, you're not able to fight. You're just a a child. You're only a young person. And he said, but I know. I, I fought against the lion and the bear when they tried to take the sheep away. I did it in the name of the Lord, and God delivered them into our hands. And he said, I saw the victory of the name of the Lord. And so he had his faith in the name of the Lord. But Eliab, who was his older brother, heard the whispers of David, and he was raging with fury. And he said to little David, what are you doing out here? And who do you leave those sheep with in the wilderness? You've come out to see the battle. I know the naughtiness of your heart, the wickedness of your heart. And he began to accuse his brother and humiliate him and bring him down. And David said, what have I now done? I came to bring you food. I came to bring you nourishment. And why are you attacking me? Have you ever been attacked by somebody you were trying to help? It's not a nice feeling. But God Almighty, he was with David, and God Almighty is with us. And so we can have confidence and settle uncertainties and know what the outcome of this battle will be, what the outcome of the challenges in life will be. And so I believe God is saying to us today, consider the steps that were taken by David. (coughs) Just get a little drink, please. Um, David was faced with an impossible situation. Thank you so much. But he knew his God. And I want to give you some key things here, which you can make a note of. Number one, David questioned Goliath's identity and ability. David questioned Goliath's identity and ability. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should divide the armies of the living God? Who does he think he is? There are evil forces at work in the United Kingdom that have the destruction of this country in their vision. They they want to bring about the destruction of Christianity in Britain. There are enemies, there are Philistines of the devil who are planning to change the Christian nature of this nation. And it's up to us to face these challenges and say, no, you do not have the ability to do this. Our God is greater than your deception. He reigns. This country belongs to Jesus. He is Lord. He is Lord of all. And so David said, I question your ability. I question your ability. Identity. Now the army of Israel, they were questioning their own ability. They were questioning their own identity. And they were in terror and fear, greatly afraid of this Philistine. But David said, we know who we are. We're in covenant with God. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 and 14, that Jesus has delivered us from the powers of darkness and translated us 
out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. We are not under the rule of the devil. Great Britain belongs to Jesus. This land shall be saved. You'll be brought to the kingdom for this purpose. We need to settle uncertainties and speak out clearly and say, this is a Christian nation. This is a land that honors the Bible. We will not surrender our heritage of Christianity for anybody because the hope of our future and of our children is to honor God Almighty and to live our lives according to the scriptures. Let's settle down certainties and say this country is under the Lordship of Jesus. It may not look like it, but we are going to take it back. And we are going to settle the uncertainties and say, no, you don't have the ability to defeat the Christian virtues of this country. We want to see a restoration of the values of Christianity restored. Scripture also says in Colossians 2.13-15 that Satan has been disarmed. Jesus disarmed principalities and powers and made an open show of them, triumphing over them in the work of the cross. He spoiled principalities and power, made an open display of them, triumphing over them. The devil has been triumphed over. He is a defeated foe, and his plans will not come to pass. If we rise up and take our position, if we exercise our authority, God will exercise his ability through us, and we will see a turning back to God and a spiritual awakening. We will see the settling of uncertainties as to who we serve We're not going to give over our future to other gods by whatever name they're called. There's only one way to salvation. Jesus is the only Savior. He's the only mediator. He's the only one who can wash us and cleanse us. He's the only one who died on the cross. Jesus is alive in us today. And we need to settle uncertainties. Hallelujah. Settle uncertainties. He questioned the ability of Goliath. And I love that verse in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, we are his workmanship. That's who we are. God made us what we are. We are his workmanship created in Christ to do good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. That's what you say about yourself. And I tell you, it makes all the difference what you say about yourself. We need to speak out what God says about us. But by the stripes of Jesus we're healed. That we are more than conquerors. We need to speak out about ourselves. That we have the mind of Christ. That we've been redeemed and bought back by the blood of Jesus. That we are not the property of the devil. That we are the property of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we have his authority to do what we're doing. We are his workmanship created in Christ to good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. I heard the story about a little boy who had made a boat with his own hands. He had an unusual gift, this little boy, about five or six years old. and He'd created this little boat and put it on a small little pond in his, beside his garden at home. And he was sailing this little boat round and round the pond, and he really loved this little boat. He had his own special mark on it. But one day, the boat was stolen, and he was heartbroken, could not find it anywhere. And so his parents searched everywhere, and then months later, they were in the city, and walking past shops, they saw his little boat for sale in a shop window. To recognize it because it has his mark on it. The price they were asking for to buy it back was far too much. They couldn't afford to buy it. But then they got people together and they found a way to raise the money. And they bought the boat back. And he was delighted and put it back on the little pond where he was playing with it before. And he was speaking to the little boat soon after he got it back. And his mother asked What are you saying, son? And she listened closely. He was saying, Little boat, you're twice mine. Little boat, you're twice mine. And she said, What do you mean, son? 
He said, this boat's twice mine. I made it with my own hands. And when it was stolen, I found the money to buy it back. That is redemption. God made us to begin with. Amen. We've been bought back by the blood of Jesus. Nothing else could bring us back. We belong to him twice over. We belong to Almighty God. We're made in his image. We're redeemed by his blood. We're empowered by his spirit. We're anointed to settle uncertainties. We have a clear voice in a world of uncertainty. We rule and reign because God Almighty has called us, empowered us, and anointed us. And we're not going to be silent in this hour. We're going to face the Philistines and settle their uncertainties that hang over the nations. In Jesus' name. Number two. Very important point. Number two. He overcame internal strife and false accusation. He overcame internal strife and false accusation. You see, there was struggle between him and his brother. He began to accuse him. Made false accusation. You've just come out to see the battle. You've just come out to see what's happening. You shouldn't even be here. But he'd come out to bring food. He'd come out to be a a help to his brothers. And David didn't just say, what have I now done? But David said, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? And then David turned from his brother who was starting to argue. And he began to speak to others beside him who would listen to what he had to say. He didn't stay in internal strife. He turned away from arguments. If he'd stayed in strife, he never would have went to face Goliath and overcome him. And the devil tries to bring strife and division in churches, in families, in government, and get people fighting each other. And while we're fighting each other, the devil is having his way. But it's time for us to deal with and overcome internal strength, strife, and to settle uncertainties. The Bible says in James 3.16, wherever there's strife, there is confusion and every evil work. Where envy and strife is, there's confusion and every evil work. And we cannot afford to have strife in our hearts toward one another, in our minds, in the family, in the church. We must put strife out of our lives because we need peace and we need assurance and we need certainty. So little David, who had been called to be a king, but he wasn't yet reigning, the enemy was trying to destroy him ahead of time. And he turned away from strife and he began to make plans to deal with the real enemy. Who's not our family, it's not our church members. The real enemy is the devil. He's been defeated, but he tries to still usurp authority unlawfully. But we are called to settle uncertainty. Say amen. We heard a powerful scripture last night from Apostle William, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. It needs to be read over and over, studied over and over. It says, even though we live in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We have been given mighty weapons, superior weapons. The weapons of the word, the weapons of the name, the weapons of the power of the Holy Spirit, the weapons of the love of God, the unity of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. We have been empowered with superior weapons to win every war and to settle uncertainties. We are called. To settle uncertainties. Our weapons are not carnal, but mighty through God. Number three, he put his life on the line. David put his life on the line and the, and the life of the nation because he said, I am going to fight this giant and I am going to have victory and God will deliver him into my hand. I'm going to settle these uncertainties. And there's going to be victory, even though it was totally impossible. He put his life on the line. We need to give it all we've got. Our total attention, that's why God said to Joshua, meditate upon my word day and night, Joshua 1 verse 8, that you may 
know what is the full will of God. What's it say there? Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that I've written therein. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. We need to be focusing on the word continually, every single day, taking time in the word. And Paul said to Timothy, give yourself wholly to this. Meditate upon it. We need to be saturated in the word and in the plan of God so we have no uncertainty about our authority, no uncertainty about the plan of God for our lives, no uncertainty about anything that we are facing in terms of challenges. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11 that we are not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. We are not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. Number four, he testified of past victories and present faith. When he was questioned by King Saul, and told by Saul the king he could not possibly fight. He said, you're but a, a youth, and this man's a man of war from his youth. He said, you're not able to do this. But David submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ, of the Lord God Almighty. But he also submitted to the king. And he said, I fought the lion and I fought the bear in the name of the Lord. And this Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. I'm going to settle on certainties this day, because I'll face him, take his head from him today. We put up with this one for 40 days and 40 nights. He'd only been out a few hours and he wasn't prepared to tolerate it any longer. We need to settle on certainties and let the devil keep us in a place of uncertainty, because we have been given the power to bring down the giants that are trying to destroy our nation. Bring down the giants that are trying to destroy the family. Bring down the giants that are trying to bring division in the country and bring in other gods and false religions. It's time to see a restoration of Bible-believing people in full manifestation in this country. Say amen. Hallelujah. So David then, after he had spoken this word to King Saul, Remember, King Saul had sent for him because of his words. And our words will bring us before great people. If our words are in line with God's will, it will give us opportunity to stand before kings and those in authority. And it's time the church had a bigger voice in government. It's time the, ki the kings and the leaders and the presidents and the prime ministers heard the voice of the church and listened to what the word of God says and not what public opinion or political correctness says, we must uphold the truth of God's almighty word right in the midst of an age of compromise. We must never let culture corrupt our character. We must maintain Christian character and diligence and uphold what God's word teaches us in every area of our lives. So he's testified of past victories and present faith. And he honored the king and he didn't go until King Saul gave him the okay to go ahead into battle. Number five, he used what he had proven. He used what he had proven. You remember Saul put his armor on him and he gave him the helmet of brass and armed him with his coat of mail. King Saul gave him his whole armor and weaponry. And David tried to work in it, but he said, I can't, I can't go out to war in this. This does not fit me. We cannot wear somebody else's calling. We cannot be somebody else. We must be happy with who God's called us to be. God didn't make you a copy of anybody. You're an original. Amen. So let's move in the original call God has given us. Say amen. Be who God's called you. You have been made unique. There was never another you, and never will be. You are unique. You are called. You are chosen. You're empowered. You're equipped. You're an heir of God. You're a joint heir with Jesus. Don't try to be somebody else. Be who God has called you to be, and you will have victory in the name of Jesus. And so he 
put this off. He said, I can't go with it like this. There it is. Give it back to your King Saul. I'm just going to take the five stones and the sling. I'm going out. I'm not going to fight this battle on Goliath's terms. Because remember, the Philistine said, come to me and I'll give you flesh to the fowls of the air. No, David did not obey what the Philistine said. He kept his distance. And we must keep our distance from the devil, but arm ourselves to bring him down. Amen? And so instead of going right up to the Philistine, he kept his distance, and he found the sling and the stone, and he let it go right into the forehead of the Philistine. And he brought it down. You see, Goliath was a great swordsman. And if he'd gone right up to him and allowed him to take him, he would have killed him. Keep your distance from the devil, but use the word against him. Amen. We don't have to compromise with the devil or get into the things he's in. But keep yourself armed with the word and using the armor God's given you and the gifts God's given you and stay in your calling and you will settle uncertainties and bring down the giants that's trying to bring you down. The devil wants to bring you down. The Bible talks about that in Psalm 91, that the snare of the fowler. What does a, a fowler do? He seeks to bring a bird down from his full potential so it can be snared and brought into captivity. The devil wants to bring you down into captivity, but Jesus Christ has set you free to soar in faith like an eagle. Amen. We were never meant to be chickens living down under. We're eagle saints. Amen. We have the nature of eagles to soar above the storm and to be people who settle uncertainties and rule and reign in life and bring about the change that God has ordained for the land and not what man has in mind. Ephesians 6.16 Above all, take the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. The shield of faith and the word of God. Speaking it, it will quench every fiery dart of the devil. But you've got to follow close with the Lord and listen to him and keep our trust in the Lord and keep our faith alive. Okay, number six, moral three. He refused to be influenced by the words of the enemy. Goliath came and looked at David and disdained him and spoke humiliating words. He said, am I a dog that you come out to face me? Who do you think you are coming to fight me? Am I not a Philistine and you are the servants of Saul? Satan will always try to humiliate you, make you feel small, make you feel nothing and bring you down. But David was not influenced. He refused to be influenced by the words of the enemy Goliath. He refused to fight the war on Goliath's terms because Goliath said, come on, you come to me and I'll show you. No, David didn't come to him. David used the weapons of war from a distance. We must not fight our wars on the terms of the enemy. We must fight our wars on the terms of the word of God and use the weaponry God has given us. Say amen. We have been given superior weapons. Hebrews 10.23 says, Hold fast the profession of your faith without wavering, for he is faithful who promised. Hold fast the profession or confession of your faith without wavering. Keep saying what God says. Never agree with the enemy. When people told me that my wife was dying with cancer, I had to make a decision. Am I going to agree with them? We had to both make a decision. Or we had to say what the word says, by the stripes of Jesus, she's healed. And we need to hold fast our profession of faith without wavering in every challenge, in every struggle of life. And so the Bible says that he would not listen to the voice of the enemy. In fact, it says there in John chapter 8, 34, that the devil is the father of liars. <laughs> Anything the devil says to you, you can be sure it's a lie. And we don't want the lies of the devil in our hearts and minds. He's the father of liars. 
we need to keep confessing what God says, refuse to be influenced by the enemy, refuse to, to surrender to Satan's plans. And lastly, number seven, he declared the name of the Lord and the outcome of the battle. You see, David said just before he went out to face Goliath, he said, you come to me with your armors, with your sword, with your spear, with your shields. You come to me in your power, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel, the Lord of hosts, whom you have defied. And then he said, this day the Lord shall deliver you into my hands, and the world shall know that God does not save with man's abilities or with anything we can do, but the battle is the Lord's. And he said, this day, God will deliver. The Lord will deliver me. We need to bring to an end the activity of the devil and say, look, we'll tolerate this no more. This uncertainty will be settled today. This day, our breakthrough is ours. This day, the giants are coming down. This day, the devil is defeated. This day, we are more than conquerors. This day, we rise up. We use the weapons God has given us today. The power of the name, the power of the word, the power of the Holy Spirit. We are his ambassadors. We are empowered to fulfill his purpose. It is time for us to settle uncertainties. It is time for us to rise up and bring to naught the works of the devil. And I close this short story. I was in a mission in the south of Ireland in a place called Tralee. I want to meet you folks from Ireland <laughs> sometime soon. But I was there preaching towards the last night of the meetings and I was going to speak that night on strength in the storms of life. There was a lot of businessmen there. We were in a big ballroom. And just before we went on the platform, my mobile phone rang in my pocket. I answered the phone and it was my consultant. I'd had some feelings of unwellness. I'd been feeling unwell and had a scan, had an x-ray, and now the consultant was ringing me. This is 2003. And I answered the phone and he said, this is Professor so-and-so. I have the results of your scan. I have bad news for you. You have a cancerous tumor. And he said, it's a very aggressive tumor. It will bring you down very suddenly. You've got to come immediately and talk to us and cancel everything. We were due to go to another African trip. I think it was Rwanda. We were due to go to right after that. And so our whole life was thrown into uncertainty at that moment. And so we began to search our hearts. And I was about to go on the platform to preach strength and the storms of life. So Evelyn and I went into the room and we were shaken up. And we began to pray. And God gave us a peace and a settled heart. I preached that night on Strength in the storms of life. I told nobody what I'd been told. But I preached the gospel. Many people came and were touched and changed and responded. We drove back to Belfast to see the specialist. He had the surgeon there. And Evelyn was there. He told us, the tumor you have is right on the main artery. We cannot say whether you'll be able to come through the operation. Such a dangerous place. But he said, we can promise you nothing. However, you must have the surgery right away. We sought the Lord. We prayed. We waited. I felt in my heart of hearts, I'm not meant to have this surgery. I don't criticize surgeons. We have a hospital ourselves. We believe in the medical profession. We believe that God can use all means to bring health and healing. But for me, I felt, no, this is not the time to have surgery. And so as we waited for two or three weeks in prayer, I went back to see the consultant surgeon and I told him I'd prayed about it and I did not feel that I should have the surgery. He was astonished. He said, what are you going to do? Because this disease is going to shut down your vital organs in a matter of very short space of time. Affect your lungs, your kidneys, every part of your vital organs. It'll happen quickly. It's very aggressive. 
I said, I understand, I respect, and I honor your advice. But I know in my spirit I'm not meant to have the surgery. So I waited. We waited. We prayed. We postponed the event in Africa for a little while. But then we went. I was feeling very weak. I remember arriving, coming down the steps of the plane. Our ambassadors there, Romulo and Miriam, they said when they saw me coming down the steps, they could hardly believe I'd lost so much weight and I looked very shaky on my feet. And they said, what on earth happened to Cecil? <laughs> we had gone with a peace in our hearts, even though I was still weak. And when the time came for me to step on the stage in the first leadership conference, I was weak and I stepped over and took the microphone. And as I did, we were singing. And the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit came all over me. And I received a mighty strength and power. God's mighty deliverance. I've continued since that time. I did not have surgery. I keep going back every so often. They're questioning why has this not happened. None of their predictions has come to pass. None of the vital organs have stopped working. I'm stronger today than I was in 2003. To God be the glory and the honor and the praise. Stand together, please, and let's give him praise. Slip your hands up right now. Give God the glory. He wants to settle uncertainties. To God be the glory. I want to pray a prayer of faith over you today. I want to speak healing over you, her sick and body. I want to settle some uncertainties right now. And in the name of Jesus, I come against every form of sickness, every form of disease. In the name of Jesus, I command it to loose you and let you go. By the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. I command you to be healed right now. Receive. Receive assurance of salvation in Jesus' name. Receive assurance of household salvation in Jesus' name. I speak blessing over your home, blessing over your family, blessing over your community. I speak blessing over this church, over this ministry, over the leadership. We settle all uncertainties. We are blessed of the Lord. We will win every battle. We will triumph over every trial. We will bring down every giant. In the name of Jesus, we are blessed of the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Lift up your voice and worship Him. Give God praise. Give God praise. Let your heart begin to praise God. Those words spoken over your life begins to happen from this hour. Lift up your voice. I'm going to thank God for it. Bless the name of the Lord for it. As your life is from now, is what you have heard straight away. David said, who is this man that defies the God of Israel? Everything that defies your God in your life has been overthrown tonight. Lift up your voice and worship him. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. My Lord, we bless you. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free, no longer to be subject to a yoke of slavery. Every yoke of slavery over your life are broken in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The Bible says, Gather ye distant land and be scattered. Devise a plan, it shall not stand. A strategy, it shall be thwarted. Every strategy of the enemy, every plan of the enemy over your life, they are thwarted tonight in the name of Jesus. It is time for liberty. It is time for power. It is time of glory. Listen to me. Jesus poured principalities and power. Every principality that raised ugly head over your life, the power of the anointing of God poured them tonight in the name of Jesus. The one that contend with you over your family, they are overthrown by the blood of the Lamb. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Yes, the Lord will stir up himself like a mighty man. 
He will stand up concerning your cause. He will triumph over his enemies. As the Lord Almighty has planned, so shall your life be. As he has purposed, it will stand for you. This new year you have entered to Christ's faith tabernacle, it shall be the year of the fulfillment you have long waited for. You shall be fulfilled in the home. You shall be fulfilled when you go out. You shall be fulfilled in the church. You shall be fulfilled in the country. You shall be fulfilled in the city. So it shall be unto you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We exalt you, Lord. We magnify thee. What a wonderful night. And what a glorious way to finish this convention. I love it. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Yay, my. Brother, give me e-minor. We waited for this long time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. E-minor. I can't hear this man now. Were you blessed today at all? Yeah.